It's great to have you with us from wherever you're tuning in from. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app. We hope this message inspires and helps you to take your next steps in your journey. Well, good morning. Third Sunday of the new decade. How many are on a three-Sunday hot streak here at Elevate? Me too. Well played. Strong start to the year. Those of you who aren't, no shame, judgment. I mean, they're called holidays for a reason, but uh, glad you're here this morning. And uh, we're going to continue our series, The Beginner's Guide to Predicting Your Future. Before we do, quick shout out to our podcast audience around the world. In fact, uh, this month, um, Africa's representing because we've got new listeners in both Egypt and in Nigeria. So uh, list a hot tip to uh, my fellow pink people. If you ever are in a bar and you had to pick a fight uh, with an Egyptian or Nigerian, go for the Egyptian. Nigerians, they lift weights. Anyway, that's all I have to say about that. You'll see in the Olympics. Um, <laughs> this uh, series, The Beginner's Guide to Predicting Your Future, one of the kind of threads that's been running through this series is the idea of navigation and direction. And before I get into uh, what we're going to talk about specifically today, one of the things that I've had a lot of, uh, um, of our Gen Zers uh, expressing their gratitude to me for is that I've actually filled in uh, a, a, a blank building a gap in their knowledge base about how, how history has evolved. And I've been able to, to uh, catch them up with uh, the fact that somewhere between uh, navigating using cave drawings and uh, now navigating using uh, apps on your smartphone, there was a period where uh, humanoids would use uh, fold-out maps um, and street directories. And um, now I just, which was an analog approach, duh, I was researching this, and I thought to myself, thank God we've moved on from analog to digital because, you know, maps are so much uh, more accurate and helpful and so on and so forth. I did discover, though, that for reasons that are beyond my comprehension, uh, Officeworks still sell uh, the UBD street directory books, um, in case you want one, maybe, maybe just for museum purposes. I don't know. Uh, but here's the thing. Thinking about this week, one of the things that occurred to me is actually we haven't fully abandoned, when it comes to navigation, we haven't fully abandoned analog 100% for digital. Because here's this phenomenon, and you know this, and you know it when I say it. There's a, let me give you an example of how this kind of analog phenomenon rears its complicated head every now and then. You're out at a cafe, restaurant, dinner with friends, and they finish a, a nice meal, and one of the people in your party says, hey, guys, how about we go and get some gelato? I know this great new gelateria. It's only a few suburbs away. I've been there recently. It's fantastic. I mean, yeah, I know they serve dessert here, but I got to tell you, it's not as good as there, and the drive's going to be worth it. So what do you think? Shall we pay the bill and go and get some gelato there? And you'll go, yeah, yeah, sounds fantastic. Let's do that. Let's do that. So pay the bill. You walk out to the front of the coffee shop or the restaurant, and you're like, you are... The guy or girl, the person that suggests going to this gelateria looks at you and says, okay, guys, just follow me. Get in your cars and just follow me. Now, when you hear that, let me, let me be a friend to you. Your response should be, 
no, that's okay. Just give me the name of the place and the suburb and we will use our smartphone. But I've discovered that for some strange reason, some people, when they hear one of their friends say, hey, come on, uh, get in your cars and just follow me, they say, oh, okay, and they all get in their cars. And, and, and what is set in motion in that instance is a ridiculous game of cat and mouse that could be entirely avoided if they just said, no, I've got a smartphone. But they don't, oh, okay, we'll follow you. Because here's what happens, and you know this, it's complicated because from that moment you get in the cars, you have to agree where you're going to meet near the front of the restaurant that you've just been in. You have to wait. Okay, are they there? Yeah, they're there. And what about them? Yeah, they're there too. Okay, cool. We can go. And now, now, now you have to time your traffic light pace to ensure that you either hit that thing when it's green and not even going to become orange in the next five seconds or make sure it's red because either you're going to all get through or you're all going to stop. Because if some get through and some stop, things get complicated. Because in that moment, you have to do the, comp the customary pull over to the side of the road. And you have to be looking in your rear view mirror at their headlights, which, by the way, look just like everyone else's headlights. And you're going, I sure hope it's them. I sure hope it's them. Hey, listen, text them. Make sure they're still in the thing. So your navigator, not really navigator. They're just sitting in the passenger seat. They text them. You're still with us? Yeah, yeah, we're just there. We're just at the lights. We're two cars back. Okay, cool. And you say the obvious. Oh, we just pulled up a little bit ahead onto the left. Yeah, we figured. Uh, okay, cool. And then, and then you have to kind of look for them, and they have to slow down to about 30, but you have to pull out. You have to try to get to 60 quickly so they can not lose momentum. And uh, then you keep going. Okay, oh, boy, man, that was close. Nearly lost them. Uh, probably not. Um, and then, and then, then, then you're driving along, and some rogue, some rogue driver that's not part of your crew pulls in between you and the people that are following you and completely obscures your line of sight. And you're like, oh, this is really, really not going well. Uh, call them, call them, and ask how many cars back they are. Uh, how many cars back? All of this. Now, by the way, as puzzling as it is to me, my experience is that there is almost a 100% success rate of people arriving at the gelateria, having followed the only person that knew how to get there because they've been there before. And all they did to you was say, come follow me. And all you did to them was say, okay. But, but you followed them because you actually believed them when they said that they've been there before and that they know how to get there. And those words, just follow me, didn't actually pin you with a sense of dread. They actually pinned you with a sense of confidence. Like, why not? I don't know where to go. I haven't been there before. I don't know how to get there. But all I need to know is that they do. And so therefore, all I need to do is to just follow them, even though from the point of departure to the point of arrival, I have no idea where we're going. But as long as they do, I have one job, just follow them. Now, I'll come back to that. This series is uh, drawn from a, a book uh, called The Principle of the Path, written by uh, one of my sort of online mentors, I'm not famous enough to have met him in person, uh, called Andy Stanley, How to Get from Where You Are to Where You Want to Be. And this is The Principle of the Path, which boiled down is three words, three very simple words. Direction determines destination. Now, 
we've been saying this out loud with me the last couple of weeks. Everyone's done very, very well. Let's try this again on the count of three. But I want to do, you to do it this morning with your eyes closed. Ooh, here's a big test coming up, everyone. Are you ready? So on the count of three. Now, it's not on the three. It's after the three. That's always very confusing if you don't clarify that. All right. After the three, with your eyes closed, repeat with me. Direction determines destination. Are you ready? One, two, three. Direction determines destination. Factoid. This is the deal. Now, because we're pretty smart, because you're pretty smart, last week we kind of inserted a little bit of an expanded definition into here. And just, it was important, I felt, that we qualify that whilst direction determines destination, we also need to be vividly aware that direction and not intention determines destination because some people and some people you know and you might even be those people think that just by saying where you want to get to it's automatically going to happen or just by writing it out or just by posting it to social media in 2020 I'm going to get here and okay great but that's not a guarantee you've now stated your intention but the actual process and the journey and, and, and the confidence of whether you're going to arrive there is, involves a lot more than just intention. And this principle of the path is important to understand that it's not only true for driving, because I've used the driving analogy for the last two weeks, and, and all of the smug people look at me like, uh, yeah, like, well said, Captain Obvious, uh, people actually pay you? To say this seems like a colossal waste of taxpayers' resources. But here's the thing. Yes, it's true for driving and, by the way, hiking and biking and walking. It's also true for living. And this is where some people haven't made the connection. This principle of the path is true for you financially. I mean, here's the thing. If you're not, uh, if you want to get somewhere financially, let's say this year or in the next few years, and, and your finances are a hot mess right now, one of the things you might think to do is, well, obviously the current, uh, how we're doing this isn't working. You might go and see a financial planner, financial advisor, and what they're going to ask you, they're going to ask two things. Where do you want to get to? And please also bring your shoebox with all of your bank statements and your credit card statements and, and your receipts, because it's not enough. I can't help you if all I know is where you want to get to, your intention, the destination you want to get to. I also need to know what's your current direction. What path are you going on? And you bring them in your shoebox, and they sift and sort through them and, and, and unwrinkle stuff and staple things together, and, and, you, and then they say, okay, here's what I've determined about you. And you think, wow, this person is a genius. But here's the thing, they're not a genius. Because you're not the first person that's turned up in that situation. You're unique, but your story isn't. And they say, you're just the next person. Now, it doesn't minimize you, but it's like they have been doing this time after. They're assessing your direction. And what they're then paid for and qualified to do is try to coach you to actually change your direction, to have it align with your stated intention. It's true marriagely. It's true healthily, it's true academically. I want to get straight A's this year, but I don't like to study. Guess what? Breaking news. Those dots are not going to connect. It's true, uh, 
It's true relationally, family, friends. You know, again, counselors, counselors, they appear so smart. And look, they probably are. I get it, right? But, but you walk in and you're like, oh, you and your spouse or your, or your kids or your parents or whatever it is, or just you. I'm a hot mess. And you go in and you sit down and they say, okay, tell me about your life. What they are looking for in the questions they ask you isn't specifically asking you merely about your situation, they're going to start asking you and get a picture of the direction that's caused you to get to this place so that they can help you and coach you and, and, and guide you into what it's going to require to change your direction. Because the current direction, the reason you're there, is that you know your current direction isn't going in the direction of your intended destination. But then you go, oh, they're so smart. No, they're not. I mean, they are, but they're not. How did they know this about me? No, they know this about you because you're the 173rd person this month that's come in there with the exact same direction in their life. And they just see the patterns and they look for the patterns and that's easier then to help you, which is fantastic. That's why we love counselors and we applaud people who access them. So, of all these areas, the elise, I want to talk about the most important area. I would put it to you, I consider the most important area that we need to actually align ourselves in order to get to a better and preferred destination. So if you've got our Elevate Church AU app, you can open it, tap on the Bible, tile down the bottom. It's going to take you to one of the four accounts of the life of Jesus. And this one's written by a guy named John. One of the things and one of the, the uh, exciting things about John's account of Jesus' life is that John was an eyewitness. He was one of the first to sign up to follow Jesus. He was an eyewitness to everything. In fact, there was a couple of instances where Jesus shut out nine of the, the 12 of his closest followers, but John got in and got to see some stuff that the others didn't see. So John's got this account now, and we get, get to access it. And it's super, super, super. John didn't really about Jesus. John was an eyewitness and followed him, and, and this was his account. And, and it's going to take you to uh, just, just the follow-on from actually what's become something of a uh, even sort of culturally well-known story where Jesus was teaching, and uh, it's come to the end of the day. Jesus used to preach longer than I do. I know, hard to believe that that someone does, but he didn't. I'm not criticizing him. He's Jesus. I'm not. You write the rules. You can break him anytime you want. Uh, finishing and, and, and it was kind of dinner time and everyone's hungry and there was nowhere to get food and people hadn't thought to bring food because they thought he was only going to preach for 30 minutes but he went for longer than 30 minutes and so they're starving and he's like well, the disciples are like what are we going to do everyone's hungry and Jesus well what are you going to do and they go no 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 no, you're Jesus what are you going to do so he looks and there's one kid whose mum whose mum at least had the foresight to pack him some lunch Jesus swipes that kid's lunch which I don't know if that's against the rules but he did it anyway swipes this kid's lunch the kid's like what the heck who do you think you are Jesus he's like yeah matter of fact I am, grabs the thing and then just starts, uh, prays over it and then just hands it into a few little wicker baskets and says to his 12 merry men, go and hand it out. And they go and hand it out and they feed 15,000 people and there was leftovers. Like an Italian wedding. It was unbelievable, okay? There's leftovers, go and collect the leftovers. And people are like, wow. And then he fed them bread and fish. Like, wow, it's so good. And they all went home because they're done, they're fed, they got the teaching and the food. They go home, Jesus like, oh, I'm exhausted. Jesus crosses over the Sea of Galilee and going just to get away. And he didn't get many opportunities to get away. Crosses the sea to get away. Next day, the people that he'd fed, the 15,000 that he fed, they were like, man, that bread was pretty good. 
better than my mama's, which you never tell your mama if it is. Let's go get some more. So next morning, 15,000 people turn up to the place that they'd been fed the night before, but Jesus wasn't there. And they're like, well, this sucks. Like, no, he, oh, we heard he's over the sea. And so, so they went and hijacked boats and, and got in and, 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 and sailed over to the, to the side that Jesus was on. And they turned up and Jesus was like, oh, they're back. They're back. And uh, let me pick up the story there. When they found him back across the sea, they said, Oh, Rabbi, fancy seeing you here. When did you get here? Which is like, if you see Jesus, is that really the thing that you're concerned about? Like, how'd you get here? When did you get here? But, but, but this shouldn't be so surprising because this is the small talk. I mean, it's not like you just kind of roll up on Jesus and just put out your demands. You've got to kind of have an icebreaker in there. It's only reasonable. I mean, you know, what are you, an animal? No. So, because you do it. <sighs> okay. Jesus, I thank you for this day. Now, onto the stuff I really came here for. <laughs> and Jesus knows this, because you're not the first, and nor were they. And so he answered, yeah, you've come looking for me, not because you saw God in my actions, but because I fed you. I filled your stomach and for free and busted and seen. Because they weren't looking for more of God. You, you know, we might think, what? You, they saw this guy, Jesus, feed 15,000 people with a few uh, pieces of bread and, and fish it have left over. That's amazing. Who could do this? No, they just wanted some more bread. One of the things to understand, when you read through the Matthew account of Jesus' life, the, the, who's the other guy? Luke and, and, and John, and, and, and I feel like I'm missing one. Mark! Oh, yeah, who could forget? Uh, when, when you read through them, they're replete with miracles. It's this miracle, and this miracle, and this miracle, and this miracle. Okay, here's a pro tip. When Jesus performed the miracles, and when we now read the eyewitness accounts of the miracles, the miracles were not ultimately the point. I mean, they mattered. They, they, they demonstrated something of what God's really like, but they weren't ultimately the point. It's not like Jesus was the almighty abracadabra guy. That wasn't the point. The miracles were a sign pointing to something, right? Now, if that's true, then you know, and you're about to give me one of those well-duh looks, if that's true... Then, then don't go looking only for the signs. You got fed, fantastic. Don't then come back the next day just looking for another free feed because the miracle was a sign and it was pointing to something. Now, here's the do moment. When you are navigating somewhere and you're driving along and you see the sign and it says you're up Ship Creek, Oh, come on now, it's on the television. I didn't make this stuff up. When they see the sign and it's pointing somewhere, you don't stop the engine and get out of the car and say, Woohoo! It's the sign of where we're trying to get to. We've arrived. All hail the sign. No. You say, Great, this indicates we're heading in the right direction. Fantastic. Let's keep going where the sign's pointing us to. And when Jesus performed miracles, the miracle wasn't the point. The miracle was the sign. And in fact, the sign and the big idea he was trying to get across then and that he would want to get across now, the big idea is bread 
Okay, we need it, but it's not the most important thing. In fact, the sign that Jesus was always trying to point to when he performed miracles is that the kingdom of God had come to earth in human form. God in a bod. Okay, always trying to get that point across. And yet some people miss it and go, God in a bod, kingdom of heaven here in human form. I'm just here for the bread, buddy. So to that they said, well, all right, okay. All right, what do we, what do, we do then to get in on God's works? Which, by the way, might have come out of them with a hint of disappointment in their voice. But this is actually one of the best questions you and I could ever ask of Jesus. Okay. All right. You didn't give me the answer I kind of was expecting. But let me, let me okay, let, can, I, can I ask a better question, Jesus? Yeah, yeah, Jesus. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, what do we do then to get in on God's works? Well, Jesus said, throw your lot in with the one God has sent. That kind of commitment gets you in on God's works. That's the question, and here's Jesus' two-sentence answer. Go all in, throw your lot in, follow the one that God has sent, and that is your ticket to ride. Just follow me. Hey, don't you just follow me. I know where we're going. I know where you need to get to, and I know how to get there, even if you don't know yet. But remember, this wasn't what they came looking for. They came looking for bread. And I don't mean to sound judgy, but I'd be reasonably confident that some of you, in your past, when you were young, dumb, and living with mom, you have asked Jesus something, and he didn't answer it the way you wanted. And so you came at it from another angle. Like, I, maybe he wasn't listening. Maybe I didn't phrase the question well. So let me try another angle. So another spokesperson showed up. Well, they waffled. Uh, <clears throat> now remember, these are the people that he fed 15,000 with leftovers less than 24 hours before. And they ask him, uh, so uh, why don't you give us a clue about who you are? You know, just a hint, just a hint of what's going on. I mean, when we see what's up, we'll commit ourselves. Show us what you can do. And Jesus like, what? I did. Yesterday, dinner was on me. My shout. Did you see that? Yeah, you saw it. That's the reason you're back. Huh. Hmm. Okay, it's hard to argue with that logic. Uh, still, still a little bit obscure, still a little bit vague. Ah, okay, I, 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 Jesus, are we talking about the same thing here? Okay. Another guy comes out, look, let, give me a shot. Because I, I, you've, okay, turns up. And he does, and again, not being judgy, what maybe, possibly, potentially, quite likely some of you have done when Jesus didn't answer the question the way you were hoping he was going to answer. You thought you'd be helpful uh, and offer some suggestions. Jesus, I, I need something, and in case you're a bit sort of stuck, uh, here's some suggestions. Like, let's make this multiple choice. Now, in fact, let me just offer the thing, the one that I think you should do. Here's, uh, Moses fed our ancestors with bread in the desert. I mean, it says so in the scriptures, or read it. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. 
Oh, okay, Jesus thinks. Oh, I get it. I get it. You, ah, so, uh-huh, I get it. You saw me uh, pinch a kid's lunch and kind of break it up and spread it around, but now you want me to make it rain. Uh, okay, I get it. I mean, guys, you're really showing your true colors here. You're actually just demonstrating to me that you're, well, you know, I'm Jesus. I'll just call it like it is. You're actually pretty lazy because uh, I get it. I mean, in this case, you don't have to grow it, harvest it, mill it, bake it. So, yeah, I mean, I get why you'd want me just to kind of rain bread. And he responded, well, no, not really. No, not going to do that. No, it's not what I'm about. I'm not about the bread, or at least not what you thought, because actually the real significance of that scripture is not that Moses gave you bread from heaven, but that my father right now is offering you bread from heaven, the real bread. The bread of God came down out of heaven and is giving life to this world. Now, (laughs) I love reading this stuff, because here's the thing. They've actually come at this once, no, Jesus doesn't seem to understand. Two, no, not sure he heard correctly. Three, no, it seems he misunderstood the question here. And he finally says, okay, Jesus finally says, my father is right now offering you bread from heaven. And they're like, yes, we're finally on the same wavelength. Where? where? We can't see it. Where's this bread from heaven. So, well, masters, give us this bread now and forever. And Jesus said, uh, I'm the bread of life. And I, what? Come again? Yeah, I'm the bread of life. See, you have come looking for bread that will sustain you in life. I am God in a bod, bread of life that will sustain you for life. And he said, this is what my father wants. Anyone who sees the son and trusts in who he is and what he does and then aligns with him, then puts their direction in alignment with him, that shifts their life to be in direction with him because direction determines destination and aligns with him, aligns with him. There's a clue hidden in plain sight. Aligns with him, will, here's a guarantee, here's a promise, enter real life eternal life and my part is to put them on their feet alive and whole at the completion of time in this statement jesus outlined the direction and the destination and if this appeals to you because i got to tell you this appeals to me man alive and whole hello as opposed to a little dead and kind of somewhat broken wow that sounds like yeah i'm in how do i get there oh i just said that align with Jesus, all right, okay, I can do that. But then Jesus kept talking, and I gotta tell you, I'll, I'll gotta sort of fast forward, not just partly for, for time, but also things got a little odd. And I'm not criticizing Jesus' preaching. I mean, come on now, he's Jesus. But uh, he started getting, it, it got a little odd. He starts telling them, because he said that I'm the bread of life, and then he says to them, and uh, you, you need to uh, eat my body. And they're like, uh, no, we, we ain't doing that. And he goes, oh, no, 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 not literally. Uh, and and uh, you need to drink my blood. And they're like, what is this, the zombie apocalypse? It's like a scene from The Walking Dead. No, we're not doing that. But it's what he said, and it's kind of like, what? But he's reminding, you've got to go all in. I am the, I'm not a way. 
to having this promise true in you. I'm not a way. I'm the way. I'm it. This, this is not multiple choice anymore. It's me, Jesus, the one that God has sent, the Son of God. And if you align your life with me, I will put you on your feet alive and whole. It should come as no surprise that many among these people heard this and said, uh, <laughs> no pun intended, but uh, this is tough teaching, too tough to swallow. The first dad joke in the New Testament. But really, it wasn't the, what? Eat your, no, it was, it was, you want us to follow you even though we don't know where you're going to take us? And Jesus like, yeah, that's, that's the deal on the table. But Jesus sensed that they were having a hard time, and he said, uh, so, you know, does this throw you completely? And it was kind of this air of, uh, yeah, just a little. In fact, quite a lot. I mean, we want to follow you, but we'd like to do it on our terms. And Jesus is like, no, that's not how this works. That's not actually how following works. <laughs> if you want to follow me on your terms, then actually what you're asking is that I should follow you and just affirm and enable and clap and stroke, and hug. And Jesus said, no, 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 that's not the deal on the table. It's not me follow you, it's you follow me, and it's you follow me by definition on my terms. After this, a lot of his disciples, these, not, these aren't his uh, 12 merry men, this is the big crowd, left. They no longer wanted to be associated with him. If you've ever read this, when you get to this part of this, this is like eyewitness account. This isn't like once upon a time in a galaxy far, far away. This, this, is, this, is, this really happened. And what we are reading in this moment, as recorded by John, is an eyewitness account of how thousands of people who had the rare privilege of, of staring Jesus in the face, the rare privilege of following him in the flesh, the rare privilege of actually listening to his teaching and being a part of the miracle that he performed less than 24 hours before. In this moment, when Jesus kind of turned up the temperature a little, decided to change their direction, and, and, and in fact change it, not by one degree, but by 180 degrees. And, and so these people we're now reading about, the thousands of people we're now reading about no longer we're following Jesus. This is hard to read. This is heartbreaking to read. And, and, and this still happens today. And we still see people, and no doubt you've got friends and family members who have got a story to tell about how Jesus didn't meet their expectation or Jesus didn't do what he, they wanted him to do or Jesus, or, or, or it could have been us. I mean, don't get me wrong. Churches have a strange habit of blowing people out the back door as well. Uh, and, and turn their direction away. And, and ironically, from the very moment that Jesus is telling them that the way to be whole and complete and alive is to fully align with him, and they went completely in other direction. And then Jesus did turn to the 12 and gave them their chance. It's like, I know what you're thinking, guys. I can see it. I mean, you're thinking that our rock star status is going down for one thing. 
But you're also thinking, mm, maybe, maybe this is our moment. <laughs> I mean, we signed up, but maybe this is our kind of exit opportunity. Do you also want to leave? And Peter replied with the best answer ever. To whom would we go? You have the words of real life, eternal life. See, these people that Jesus' closest 12, they tried other things. They tried other professions. They tried other ways of thinking. They tried other, other uh, 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 directions. And yet, in the short time at this moment in history, at the short time that they had chosen to align their lives with him, they experienced something better. And they knew that in this moment, that any other direction for them was going to be less. Any other direction for them was going to be a compromise. Any other direction for them was going to be something less than what God had promised them when Jesus said to them, said the same thing, come Follow me. And even though they didn't know where he was going to lead them, even though they didn't know where they were ultimately going to end up, they trusted Jesus enough to say, we're going to follow you. You're going to be our direction. And we're going to trust that you're going to lead us to a better destination. And this still happens today. Some of you, this is your story. You came from somewhere that you were following. You were following your parents and that didn't kind of work out for you you were following a, a spouse and that didn't maybe work out for you. you you were following a workaholism lifestyle and that kind of blew things up for you you were following your own smarts because you're pretty smart and got to a point where you discovered that didn't kind of wasn't enough and Jesus intersected your life and he said those words come Follow me. And you were smart enough to say yes. And looking back on your life now, in the time you spent following Jesus, you've discovered that Jesus has made life better and he's made you better at life. And if someone says to you, you know what? You want to turn away? You say, to whom would I go? Jesus has the words of real life, eternal life. If you haven't, said yes to that very simple question that Jesus asks of all of us, come, follow me. I'm going to give you that opportunity right now. And uh, boy, I wish we had God in the bod physically standing here, but the best you've got is Mark in a bod, and sure as heck, don't compare. But I have the privilege of asking you in this moment, if you've never said yes to following Jesus, he's asking you that same question that he asked these people, Dan. He asked me when I was 21, and, and he would ask all of us today, Come, follow me. And if you've never said yes to that right now, how about you just slip your hand up and you say, yeah, I'm gonna say yes today. This is my day. This is like the best. Good on you. You can put your hand down. Who else? This is the best decision, direction, thing. I did not call it a resolution because it's so much more than that. Who else? Okay, let me pray. And let's actually all pray. I'm gonna say a little kind of, staccato prayer that's music speak uh and how about you repeat these words after me especially the person that lifted their hand dear jesus this morning i decide to follow you i thank you for leading me i place my trust in you thank you for forgiving me giving me a brand new start and i commit 
to continue to follow you from this day for the rest of my life. Amen. How about we give it up for the person that made that decision this morning? We really hope you got a lot out of this message. If you live in the Perth area, we'd love you to join us for one of our live experiences. For times and directions, as well as information about our great Elevate Kids and Elevate Youth environments, head to our website, elevatechurch.me. And to partner with us to reach more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me, and also download our Elevate Church AU app.